I'm Tavis Smiley. Have you ever heard of black Alaskans? That's right, black Alaskans. Well, apparently they do exist and were, in fact, major players in Alaska's history. Who knew? Decades before statehood and even earlier than the Klondike gold rush of the 1890s, black men and women participated in Alaska's politics and culture. And because I want you uh, to know more than Sarah Palin when it comes to Alaska's politics and culture, uh, we'll talk now about black lives in Alaska, a history of African-Americans in the far northwest with Dr. Ian Hartman. Dr. Hartman, how are you today, sir? Oh, I'm doing really well, and thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here, and thank you for your interest in the topic in the book. It's a great honor to have you on. I'm glad we got these 30 minutes to sort of, uh, sort of unpack uh, Black Lives in Alaska, a history of African Americans in the far northwest. That's the name of the text written by uh, Dr. Hartman. So uh, I don't need to color this first question too much. Tell me about black folk in Alaska historically. Well, I, I think what, what folks would be maybe surprised to hear is that, that this kind of goes all the way back to U.S. colonization of Alaska, uh, the whaling industry. So, you know, we're talking about a presence in Alaska um, dating back to the 1840s and 1850s before even the American Civil War, before even the United States uh, entered into the Treaty of Session with Russia. Mm. Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty deep history, and it's one that, uh, that African Americans have played throughout the, uh, throughout the entire duration of uh, certainly the 20th century and extending even farther back into the 19th. Into the 19th. Back to the 1840s, um, what were black folk doing in Alaska then? Whaling, absolutely whaling. So, you know, think back to, um, you know, Herman Melville talking about whaling crews being some of the most multiracial and uh, diverse places of work in the uh, in the country, and these were folks, some of whom had escaped enslavement, some of whom may have even been uh, they they were free people of color in the north, but for whatever reason they uh, they thought that they could make a, a better lives for themselves out uh, on the on the waters of the Bering Strait, um, whaling, and this was a, a brutal uh, a brutal way to make a living. But again, uh, if the alternative was enslavement, you could certainly understand the appeal of trying to make your way out west and maybe first to San Francisco. Francisco or uh, one of the ports of call, even on the East Coast, that would have went around the tip of South America. So, um, you know, these were these were extraordinarily hardworking people who who gave up, um, you know, their families in some case uh, to try to try to have a better life out in the West and in the North Pacific. You mentioned that whaling can be a brutal way to make a living. Uh, I um, want to put a finer point on that. I know a lot of black folk, uh, many listening right now, who love to fish. A lot of black folk love to fish, but whaling ain't exactly fishing. Uh, what skill set? What skill set does one? What does what does one have to do to be a successful whaler? Oh, I think you have to work together. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm an historian, not a whaler. Yeah. So I, I can't even, in, in my own mind, kind of yeah. imagine what what some of these guys who are going through. But I mean, it's a. It's one of those things where you'll, you're out at sea and you're kind of bobbing along in the ocean, open ocean, and it may be days at a time, and there's, you're not doing much of anything at all. And then all of a sudden, you're uh, someone sights the whale, and you've got to all work together to, to land this. And this would have been for commercial, mm-hmm. uh, commercial whaling, whaling, obviously. So, you know, there's a whole different whaling practice with the indigenous people of Alaska and the uh, Arctic coast and the northwest coast of Alaska, and that's more of a subsistence mode, but um, but this would have been the commercial enterprise, and mm-hmm. it would have been extraordinarily dangerous, and you, you just have to really watch out for each other and watch out for everyone's back. As compared to how black folk in other parts of the country, certainly down south, were being treated or maltreated during this time frame, how were black folk being treated in Alaska uh, in the 1840s and uh, around the time of your research? 
Yeah, so, you know, the 1840s, that's really folks who are kind of transiting in and out. Uh, maybe they're, they're staying uh, for some level of time, although not typically settling for the longer term. You know, really the, the first, uh, first folks to settle in Alaska outside of, of course, the native population who've been here for time immemorial, you're talking about the, you know, 1870s, 80s, 90s, and then oftentimes that's with the military. Um, the famous uh, Buffalo Soldiers, Company L, mm-hmm. come up to maintain peace and order in Skagway. And, you know, my, my general assessment of this is that I, I, I don't want to make the case that the, um, that the black population is treated well through history, but I do think that they arrive with some sense that they're going to find some opportunity. And so, I, I mean, there are some key differences that I would highlight, despite the fact that there are certainly some continuities of um, racism and segregation. Give me, give, me, give me some of those differences. Take it away. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think the big thing is, again, coming up with the military, these were folks who believed that by by virtue of wearing the uniform, right? There's the, the famous line by W.E.B. Du Bois about putting on the uniform and about kind of the dignity of the uniform. These were folks that, that kind of, um, you know, believed that they were leaving the Jim Crow South, and they were. Uh, and they would have been treated, I think, a bit better in places like Skagway, despite the fact, I do need to be clear about this, that there were absolutely segregated establishments in, in uh, Skagway, Alaska. Once we talk about Anchorage, you know, there, there were certainly segregated establishments. But yet, I think it was a more of a freewheeling society um, for African-Americans here in Alaska. It was a place for them to maybe start businesses where they couldn't have started them in other places. It was a place for them to maybe, um, you know, again, kind of serve with the dignity of the uniform. And so I think it, it's, um, it, it kind of comports a little bit more with uh, the history of the American West as opposed to maybe the history of the American South, um, you know, for all of the good and the bad that that entails. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Du Bois, of course, uh, the first noted uh, black scholar, uh, first African American, get a PhD from Harvard. Um, what, what what is the legacy of these black settlers in Alaska? I want to talk more about the things they were involved in, politics and culture, uh, etc. Yeah. But but what's um what's the legacy of these black settlers specifically in Alaska? Well, I, I think it depends on when you're looking at, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, a few that came up during the gold rush, not as uh, Buffalo Soldiers Company L. Um, actually came up to, to mine gold. And as far as this goes, you know, some of these folks, the, the majority of these folks actually, did not make a lot of money, right? That's not just black miners, that's white miners, that's all kinds of miners who would have come up. They, they would have been lucky to, to have left with as much as they had in their pocket in the first place. But there were a few of these people who made out fantastically well. Um, one of them, St. John Atherton, um, a black miner, came up and uh, ended up helping to, to fund Tuskegee, um, ended up uh, another miner uh, came up and was one of the largest landowners in the Bay Area. Um, William Shorey, a great, uh, a great black sailor, um, was kind of a, a big social player in San Francisco based on some of the wealth that he had, uh, he had um, earned in Alaska. So that's the legacy around that turn of the century. And then as we get into the 20th century, it's kind of the same thing. You've got some uh, some really notable black landowners. Um, the a few of these folks, a couple of the women, come up and really do well um, as entrepreneurs, and some of them kind of come up to to set up brothels, but then go into business for themselves. And so there's really kind of a a whole range of possibilities that um, that that people um, end up succeeding in. Mm. Um, because black people are maltreated no matter where they uh, are in the world. Um, you sort of intimated this earlier, but I want to get a little more deeply into it, and that is 
sure. uh, the ways in which black people were discriminated against, the ways in which they were treated um, uh, by racists and white supremacists. And I'm asking that. I'm, I'm literally looking at an article right now. I was just reading this this morning. There's an article that uh, I was reading this morning, uh, and the headline is Members of a Dangerous Alaskan White Supremacist Gang Sentenced and uh, to Life in Prison. So even in Alaska, you got white supremacists. Oh, yeah. and this is 2023 now. you got white supremacists yeah. in Alaska uh, who are being sentenced to life in prison like today, like literally today. Um, and that's so right. if that's going on today, clearly it was going on back in the day. So give me some sense of the kind of racism and discrimination and prejudice that black people were subject, subjected to back in the day in Alaska. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, the, I think the, maybe the, the best example of this that, that I can give that's, you know, close to where I'm talking to you right now here in Anchorage is that, um, Anchorage was a community that was really established through, uh, racial covenants. And it was very clear even from the beginning of the town site that, uh, that the early town founders who were, you know, associated with what was known as the Engineering Commission, which ultimately built the Alaska Railroad, which has its own kind of fascinating history. But, it was it was very clear that those folks wanted this to be a a white only town and uh, the land that was being sold for the settlers uh were was to be set aside for white settlers um when there was some population of african americans who who did come into anchorage specifically uh they had a very difficult time if not an impossible time um finding accommodations so that's where you get this community aspect of this you know i think in response to the racism uh the black population forms this community that then can kind of you know they can do a lot of this stuff on their own they can uh they can set aside some tracts of land uh they can develop their their own communities and so i think that's kind of one example anchorage um there's there's kind of a violent history associated with this as well that i think we have to be very mindful of one that uh, runs through hold that hold that hold that thought right there about the violent history your phone is starting to wobble on me uh and i ain't got a problem with the wobble wobble uh but not on a phone line so let's get the wobble wobble straightened out then we'll come back to this part that you're telling us now about the violence that black people had to endure in alaska we're talking with dr ian hartman about black lives in alaska on kbla talk 1580 we knew you'd stick around this is la's home for progressive talk radio Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. We're talking about black lives in Alaska, a history of African Americans in the far northwest. Uh, Dr. Ian Hartman, uh, expert on all things black folk in Alaska, is our guest uh, in uh, this hour. Uh, you were telling me before news, traffic, and sports, and your phone started to wobble on me, uh, you were telling me about the, the violence uh, and the racism that black people were subjected to early on in, Af uh, in, in Africa, in Alaska, you know, totally different places, right? Alaska and Africa. We're talking about, <laughs> that's just a Freudian slip. You say black folk, you say Africa. No, we're talking about black folk in Alaska. So tell me about the violence they were subjected to in Alaska. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's one of, is the town site develops, again, I'm talking about Anchorage here. I think the maybe the best example of this, maybe the best known example of this, was uh, an arson attack among a family who had tried to integrate one of these uh, one of these neighborhoods that was uh, really designed as as white only, right? You know, we didn't have the the redlining up here associated with like the interstate highway creation, but we definitely had restrictive covenants. And so when uh, when an instance of a black family had tried to move into a fairly kind of middle class um, upscale even um, community neighborhood in Anchorage. The house was burned down, and so this was really what launched the Anchorage NAACP in 1950, 1951. 
Um, the the famous there's another instance in Juneau, uh, not in not where I'm at here, but just in the state capital, mm-hmm. where the actual last instance of capital punishment in Alaska was uh, was used against two black men under um, really I, I think a, a faulty. Um, uh, fault, faulty accusations at this point. I think you know if we were to open that case again, we would see how you know uh, see that they were tried with, with, very unfairly. Yeah. Um, when you think about uh, politics in Alaska, as I, I joked earlier at the top of our conversation, yeah. Um, you you think Sarah Palin, right? For better or for worse, <laughs> like it or loathe it. Uh, when you think, <laughs> like it or loathe it. Uh, yeah, you think politics. I mean, maybe Lisa Murkowski, if you're really into politics, right? Uh, but outside uh, of Lisa Murkowski, I mean, everybody, you think. Uh, Sarah Palin when you think Alaska politics uh, and I want the audience to know more about Alaska politics than just Sarah Palin so I'm curious uh, as to learn uh, as, to, as to learn more about uh, the role that black men and women uh, played in Alaska's politics and culture uh, the role they've played over the years tell me about that yeah well I think uh, folks might be interested to know that we had a, uh, a black woman uh, representing in the state house in Juneau again uh, quite early on, going all the way back into the 1950s and 60s, Blanche McSmith, who mm. was a really notable freedom fighter. We've had African Americans serving in the state house for, you know, off and on, um, really since, uh, since statehood. You know, statehood is 1959, and we had, you know, almost within that, that first just few years of statehood, there was some level of black representation. Um, at the local level, uh, you know, Fairbanks has had a black mayor. Uh, there's been obviously city council members. I would just I, the one I would really note is um, Betty Davis. Uh, Betty Davis, who's a, is an extraordinarily figure, just passed away in the last few years. Served in Alaska State Legislature, um, was on the school board here in Anchorage, and in fact, East Anchorage High School was renamed uh, mm. the Betty Davis East High School. And this is, and uh, your folk, uh, your listeners can can look this up. I'm talking to you from down in L.A. I mean, you guys are obviously are an exceedingly diverse city, but we have some pride up here in Anchorage that East High is, by some measures, the most diverse high school in the nation. Mm. Um, we've got we've got students who are from uh, from the Pacific Rim, East Asia, Pacific Islanders, Alaska Natives, African Americans, um, you know, migrants, refugees, and this uh, and this school very proudly bears the name of uh, Betty Davis, mm. who was just a phenomenal individual. Right, quick here. What is uh, if you know it? What's the what's the uh, black population? in Alaska right now, roughly? Well, right now, it's, you know, it's probably between about 4 and 5%, I'd say. So I, I, I'm not a mathematician. Sure, I sure, apologize, sure, sure. but we have about 700,000 people in the state. So what's 5% of that? Maybe maybe 30,000 or so. I, okay. I, I hope that number isn't overstated. No, that gives me an idea. I'm just curious as to um, what, the, what the black population in Alaska is these days. Our remaining moments, talking about black folk in Alaska with Dr. Ian Hartman when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Dr. Ian Hartman, i got uh, three minutes left in this conversation. Time for uh, one or two more quick questions here. Number one, uh, what would you say the legacy is of these black Alaskans on the history of Alaska? Oh, I, I, think, it's, I think it's profound. I mean, Alaska is one of the most diverse states in, in the nation, and so... From as I as I kind of mentioned at the outset here, I mean, it's certainly predating even American involvement in Alaska. Um, you know, African Americans have been central to the uh, to the economy, to the culture, 
uh, to the business community. And so today, you know, we, we have really notable um, black folks who have served in state house, who have served in, um, in community councils, on the school board, who have started some of the most successful businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I think just um, maybe, you know, to go back to your point about Sarah Palin, maybe if we can shift the perception that folks have of Alaska and, and understand that there's a, a great diversity up here and that, you know, people have really labored and changed the state for the better for a really long time, I think that's um, that would be the big legacy. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy lift because uh, for whatever reason, people <laughs> think Alaska, as I said, they think Sarah Palin and she really isn't uh, a true example of the diversity that is in Alaska. Uh, and you make that point very clearly. It's one of the most diverse states actually in the, in the nation. And let me ask you right quick, right. Why, why do you think that is? Is it, is it because of locale where it's actually located or because of the culture in Alaska? You know, I, I think it's I think it's both. It's a it's a great question. You know, this we, we're we're way up here in the north, but we're actually pretty conveniently located. That's a East Asia, so exactly. we've developed a, a yeah. lot of a lot of commercial ties, um, a lot of migration. Um, it's a state that, that obviously has a big military presence, right? And if you look yeah. at the military, it's it's you know long been a pretty diverse institution, right? Um, so that's that's been kind of another feeder uh, of the population. It's a it's a site of um, of federal involvement. You know, the government has played a really really heavy role up here for all kinds of reasons. And so it's just been a place over the years where I think um, folks have come from all over the country and indeed from around the world. And I think kind of in that mix, we've had this kind of steady stream of, um, of black migration up here. And at each phase, um, these are people who have who've made their mark in, in really uh, powerful ways. Well, I close on this note. Uh, first of all, thank you for the book, Black Lives in Alaska, a history of African-Americans in the far northwest. So thank you for the text, number one. Number two, I close on this note. I note from my research that you are a Steelers fan. Uh, I, I, I I hate the Steelers. Uh, you are your professor in, in in Alaska, but from Pittsburgh. So he's a big fan of the Steelers, the Pirates and the Penguins. I hate the Steelers. But speaking of black folk, I love Mike Tomlin. I love the coach hey, of the Steelers. See that? I love that guy, man. <laughs> We can we can meet on that, yeah. You, you know, yeah. well, my my Steelers they 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 exceeded my expectations this year. So I mean, and that's that's totally a credit to Tomlin, by the way. I mean, yeah. if anybody doubted the guy's coaching chops, I mean, look at the hand he was dealt uh, this year. I mean, the, uh, just a uh, best coach in football, to be honest with you. No, so, he's. You know, uh, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. No, he's a great he's a great coach. I I, I love the, the the I love Tomlin. I love the the long run he's had in Pittsburgh. I hate Pittsburgh, by the way, because growing up a Cowboys fan. Terry Bradshaw, the Steelers, Steelers were always beating up on my Cowboys back in the day, man. So I uh, yeah, yeah, pretty big rivalry. <laughs> yeah, pretty big rivalry yeah. back in the day. But anyway, um, love Mike Tomlin uh, and love you for this book, Black Lives in Alaska: A uh, History of African Americans in the Far Northwest. Professor Doctor Ian Hartman. Thank you, sir. All the best to you. Oh, thank you so much again for the interest and for the time. My great honor. The final hour of Tavis Smiley today on KBLA Talk Today. When we come forward after news, traffic, and sports.